Parshas Pinchas, an everlasting memorial. In this week's Sedra, we learn about the dinam of Yerusha, the laws of inheritance. Ish ki yamas, when a man dies, vahavartem et nachalato, you have to give over his property to his children. There's a process of inheritance, who gets first, who gets second, and so on. Very many dolphin in Shas are filled with its laws, but whatever the details are, what we see is that untatem et nachalato lishero hakarov elav. You shall give his inheritance to his relative, who is closest to him of his family, Pinchas. Now, what's the idea of Yerusha? So people say, well, it's common sense. Man's property is inherited by the son. Even Goyim know that. What else should we do with his property? It should be a free-for-all. Everyone should come and grab whatever they want. You know, there were some Indian tribes that did that. Everyone knows that when Columbus discovered America, he found here a lot of Indian tribes. And some of these tribes had beautiful minhagim that were unknown to the Europeans. We should listen for a minute to a certain professor, Michener. He considers himself an authority on Indian culture. And hear how he describes the process of inheritance. Here is an Indian warrior who gave his life to save his tribe. He fought heroically, but Nebuch, he lost his life. And how did they bury him? They put him on a wooden pallet. It was like a wooden bed. And they carried him to the woods and left him in a certain tree grave that they had prepared. They put the pallet on the tree. And there he lay for the birds to come to pick out his eyes and consume his flesh. That was the hero's burial. Now this warrior, he left over a widow and children in his tent. What happened to his almana? So here, Michener describes, with a note of apology, that there was a cruel and inexorable law of the prairies. It means they had a minhug. Michener wants to blame it on the prairies. That as soon as this man's funeral was over, the sisterhood of the tribe, all the hush of the ladies, descended upon the grieving widow, and they took away every last thing that she possessed. That was the rule. Now that there was nobody to protect her, it's the law of the tribe to take away every shred, every stick that she possessed. They took away everything, her dishes, her cooking utensils, her sewing utensils, and they left her with nothing except the clothing on her back. They even took away her home. They took her wigwam apart, and she was left homeless as midwinter arrived, and nobody invited this widow into their homes. That would have been against procedure. And so what did she do? She went to live among the horses in order to try to maintain her life a little bit longer. And in the morning, they found her frozen to death. That was the Hilchus Yerusha, of this Indian tribe. That was the standard procedure. There was no such thing as inheritance. And the truth is, why should there be? Why should you have Yerusha? He's a dead man. He doesn't own anything anymore. Why shouldn't you say, a man dies, he's finished. Why should his family get it? He's a pauper. It's Hefker. Nothing is his anymore. It's like a Ger Seamus, a convert who dies without any relatives. So we say, anybody can come and seize his property. That's how it should be, even if there are Yurshim. 
If you're finished with this world, why should your property remain connected to you or to your children? So you'll tell me about the Umas Ha'olam that do have laws of inheritance, procedures and details for who gets what. First, the government comes and steals a big piece of your hard-earned money. And then this family member or that one takes something too. Yerusha is just common sense, you think. Why not? Many of the Umas Ha'olam have laws of inheritance and we also have laws of inheritance. Of course, it's Torah, but it's just Dine Mamonos. That's wrong. It's very wrong. There's more to the laws of the Yerusha than just divvying up someone else's money. More than just children benefiting from the hard work of their parents. There's much more here that HaKadosh Baruch Hu intends. And it's not merely that the Torah is training us to have Rachmanus, to care about the widow and the orphans. That's true too. But the Torah is teaching us here an entirely new attitude. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to know that the one who left this world is looking down to see what's doing with his property, with his money. He's actually interested in what's doing. So you'll say, but he's in Olam Haba now. Now he sees that Olam Haza is nothing. He knows now it was all of a sad, and therefore it should mean nothing to him now. He thinks about such things. He cares that his son should have his money now. What difference does it make to him at this point? No, the Pasuk is teaching us here that it means everything to him. He's watching. He's terribly interested. He wants his son to have his property. Now I know that it is a delicate subject that I won't be able to convince anybody completely, but there's no question that there is a definite connection with the Neshama and Olam Hazer. Not only a connection, but the Neshama clings to Olam Hazer with all its koach. And it's not merely while you're still alive in this world. The instinct of self-preservation, like we see that even an insect tries desperately to save its life. No, it's much more than that. Because the Torah is telling us here that even after a person leaves this world, he continues to yearn for Olam Hazeh. Of course, I'm not capable of telling you the secrets of the Neshama. But the fact is that everyone wishes to have some connection with Olam Hazeh. Even after he leaves this world, the Neshama remains intensely interested in what was left behind. And that's because in the depths of the Neshama, everyone senses that there's concealed in Olam Haza a great secret. Olam Haza has something that Olam Haba does not have. There's a certain quality in this world that is unequaled even in Olam Haba. And just because of that, the Neshama understands that Olam Haza is the place. Now, what is it about Olam Hazeh that the Neshama doesn't want to leave go of? The answer is that it's only in this short life that we have the opportunity to choose. Ubacharta b'chayim, Hashem said. Choose life. Not only I'm telling you that you could do it, but I'm commanding you, I'm encouraging you, choose life. The great gift of Olam Haza is Bechira, free will, the ability to choose to become better. That's the purpose of life. Like David HaMelech said, Lo The dead will not praise Hashem to heal him. So we ask, My Kamash Malan, what is David telling us? Certainly the dead man won't praise Hashem anymore. We need David to tell us that. David is saying, Be afraid of death. 
to die, that's the last thing we want to do in our lives. Because death means you stop. Not you stop breathing. Something much worse than that. You stop serving Hashem. Your opportunity to choose goes lost forever. You remember when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, Hen karvu The end of your days is coming soon. So did Moshe Rabbeinu accept the news stoically? No. He made a big fuss. He put up a big fight. el Hashem. I don't want to die, he said. It's because he knew that it's a tremendous opportunity to be alive. One moment of teshuva, of good deeds in this world, is better than all eternity in the next world of us. If Moshe Rabbeinu could come back for one minute, he'd give up everything. He'd give up a big part of Olam Haba, even to be just one minute in this world. That's how precious every second is. Every minute is a diamond, because it's a glorious opportunity for achievement. If it means you can learn just one more line of Gemara, or put one more nickel in the pushka, it's worth it. Now there's no question we'll be very satisfied with Oilam Haba. We'll be very happy in the next world. If we could even just picture it, we wouldn't be able to survive. The happiness of Oilam Haba would burst our blood vessels with excitement. The Gemara says that the happiness is so great that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to give koach to the tzaddikim in Oilam Haba so that they should be able to endure the happiness. That's how tremendous it is. And even so, even though the neshama was especially created for that existence in Oilam Haba, that is independent of the body and independent of this world, and even though it's certainly capable of utilizing that career in the next world for very great happiness, yet despite everything, the neshama wants to live longer in this world. We want to live because we still have so much to accomplish. It's never enough, because the more you do in this world, the more you're putting away for everlasting life in Olam Haba. Every deed that you do here, even the smallest mitzvah, it's forever and ever. Now, one of the most important ways that a person can make use of this opportunity for Bechira is by means of the things he owns in this world. Whatever it is, money, a car, a house, when a person owns things, that property is an opportunity to accomplish tremendous things in this world. Let's say you have a house. In that house, first of all, you put up mezuzahs. What is a chus it is to take an ordinary house and nail mezuzahs on the door? Now, I know that people are accustomed to having mezuzahs on the house, and after a while, they forget all about them. Maybe they kiss the mezuzah. Very good, beautiful. It's not enough, though. The mezuzah is telling you something. It says, This house is dedicated to Hashem. Shema Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Hashem is the one and only thing in our lives. Everything in this house is for the service of Hashem. Ah, ah, ah. Your machnis urchim into that house. You sit in your house and open a sefer and learn. You say birkos amazon in that house. You're Mekayim, all the mitzvahs de Raisa and mitzvahs de Rabbanon. It means that we're choosing to use our valuables in this world for you. Every detail in the house is under the law of the Torah, and the mother is directing it all like a Kohen Gadol in the Kodesh Kadoshim. Everything has to be kosher, and kosher means so many things. Milchiks and fleshiks and parav. 
you walk in the kitchen and you ask your wife, Chanala, is this a fleshiga fork or a milchiga fork? It's a makam kadosh. Even your cutlery is holy. It's a house where every Jewish man and woman is constantly creating chayim nitzchim, eternal life. Now this man or woman lived a long from life, Baruch Hashem, a successful from life. All of you here should live very long from lives. You should be healthy and happy in your homes and see nachas from everybody. But the time comes after 120 years when we all have to leave that house. Oy vey, it's a great time. Because such a house you won't have in Oilam Haba. No milchigs, no fleshigs in Oilam Haba. Oh no. No brachas, no netilas yadayim. In this world, you come out of the Beis HaKisei and you can make a nice loud Asher Yatsar. No Beis HaKisei in Oilam Haba. Oy vey. No Asher Yatsar in Oilam Haba. While we're alive, we may not feel the importance of experiencing these things. While you still can say Asher Yatsar, you don't appreciate the opportunity. But when the time comes to say goodbye to this world, all of a sudden, you discover what a great thing you had and that you're about to lose. Life. The opportunity to serve Hashem and make something out of yourself. All of a sudden, the awareness of what you're losing becomes overwhelming. Now you shouldn't be so sad because Oilam Haba is a place of Simcha. There will be better things than Asher Yatsor there. But whatever it's going to be, it's still a great loss to have to say goodbye to a Jewish home, to say farewell to Oilam Haze. What a great existence it is. And now I'm going to have to say goodbye. The heart breaks with sadness. But there's good news on the horizon. The Gemara and Eruvin makes a statement. Yodesh kara lahavuha bra kara dahavuha. A son, someone who inherits property, is like the foot of his father. That's a very great teaching. A son is like the two feet and the two hands of the father. Now let's not think that it's just imagination. A mashal. It's a mitzias. It's a fact. And it's based on sound common sense. Pesukim and ma'amarim chazal. What it means is that when the son does good deeds, in a certain sense, it's like the father is still alive and going around in this world doing good deeds. Daughters too. Daughters are also kara davua. Children are like the feet of their parents. And even though the child may not always be thinking about his parents, still, it's to the benefit of his parents. It means that the father and mother who leave over children in this world will never leave this world. They continue to live through the mitzvahs of their children. And what kind of mitzvahs? Anything that the child does. If the child is a from Jew, that's already a zechus for his father and for his mother. If he fulfills the duties of a from Jew, then even if he's not a great personality, he's an ordinary from Jew, that child is sending gifts to his parents constantly. And if he's more than a from Jew, if he's an ish chosid, an oivet Hashem, so it's a much greater zechus for them. Every mitzvah, every bracha, every penny of tzedakah that he gives is like a gift to the father and to the mother. It means thousands upon thousands of mitzvahs are being mailed to your ancestors in Oilam Abba. Even though they're in Gan Eden now, sitting on golden thrones and enjoying all the delights of the Ziva Shechina, the tremendous happiness of the Oilam Abba, nevertheless, the joy of being connected to this world by means of a son or a daughter 
is a tremendous satisfaction to them. They're being rewarded with a feeling of hargasha, that they're connected to the opportunities of Eilam Hazeh, and that quenches their craving to continue living in this world. It gives even more happiness to their stay in Eilam Haba. Now we can begin to understand how great is the function of bringing up a generation of Shaimri Torah mitzvahs. Of course, to have children is a mitzvah of the Torah. It's avoidas Hashem to get married and have children and bring them up. But not only are you doing something for avoidas Hashem, but you're doing for yourself one of the very greatest benefits that you could do. When you bring into the world a family of children and you bring them up, you're creating for yourself a wealth of nachas. It's very important because not only are you helping the child, most of all, you're helping yourself. Whatever you do, it's a tremendous achievement because you'll be in this world long after you pass away from the world. And that's why it's so important to invest your efforts in your children. It's so important to think, what can we do to make the best out of our children? Which cheder is the best one for Chaimel? Which Beis Yankov should we send Chanelot to? Because when you raise up a door of Frum B'nai Torah, of Oiv De Hashem, boys and girls, who are going to have Frum families of their own, not only are you a happy person in this world, after all, there's nothing like Frum Nachas, from children are a happiness that will fill your hearts with joy all your lives. But in the next world is where your real happiness will take place. When you pass out of this world, that's when the true nachas begins. The eternal nachas you'll get from your children is indescribable. That's what it says in Tehillim. Urei bonim levanecha. If you're zoicha to see a grandson, ah, ah, ah. Don't think it's a small thing. If you leave over a child, it means you're still in this world. You're still in this world. And the child of a child, you should be so happy. Not only at the bris, by the first mazel tov. Whenever you see him, you should really enjoy it. Look at him and think, Baruch Hashem, I was zeche to a son's son. It means I'll be in this world even longer. I'll be in this world forever and ever. That's a success. Shalom Ali Soil. It's a very great happiness that your children and their children will give you by being decent from Jews. That's why I would suggest if you have good children, go to a sign painter and order for yourself a sign as follows. This is to certify. If you want to do it in Lushen Kodesh, you could say, this is to certify that you, my son and my daughter-in-law, have given me very great nachas and put it in a frame and hang it on the wall in their house. You want to go further? You can hang such a sign in the house of your grandchildren. And if you'll do it in the house of your great-grandchildren, even better. That's why Yerusha is so important to the maze so that his house, his Makam Kaddosh, will continue to live on. So you'll say, well, it could be my son won't have that house. Maybe the neighborhood changed, the wrong people moved in, and now they have to move on. No matter, you live on in that way. Maybe the house becomes money. It's changed into money. So he'll buy another house with the money. He'll use your money for a down payment or to help pay the mortgage on his new house. 
And therefore, you have a certain satisfaction. In oineg of the nefesh, knowing that your house continues. And even though you can't go anymore into your son's house or to your daughter's house, you can't go visit your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren anymore. But you know in that house, in the house of your children, they're continuing the ways that they saw in your house or in the ways that they learned when they went to the yeshiva and to the girls from schools. You pay tuition for them. And therefore, it's your ways that they're continuing in forever and ever. And so it's like you're sitting together with them in their home. It's actually like you're sitting in their homes and you're witnessing what's going on in your old home. You see that your descendants are keeping Shabbos. You see them sitting at the Shabbos table and singing Zemiris. And you're so happy that you sing along. Yes, don't think it's just talk. Tomorrow night when you sit at your Shabbos table, all your ancestors will be coming down and watching. They'll be singing together with you. Happy. Ah, that's what we wanted. That's an achas. Our children are talking about Oh, our children are doing such a great thing for us. They're so happy when they see that you're going and making something out of yourselves. The chasen is the bar mitzvahs of great-grandchildren. They're learning in yeshivas and doing mitzvahs. The children are wearing tzitzis. The boys and girls are all making brachas. Everybody goes to the yeshiva and to the Beis Yankov. Everybody keeps everything. Everybody is busy putting on tefillin and keeping Shabbos and learning Torah and acting with derech eretz. Everybody is busy being mikayim kola Torah kula. And so, after you pass away, everything goes on and you're still there. You're there. It's the great happiness of having your representation in this world continue forever and ever. And that's what Yerusha is always reminding us of. You're living on. By means of your house, your money, your property, and your descendants, you're still accomplishing in this world. Your Yerusha is working for you forever. Now before we end our meeting tonight, we must take into account the fact that some people were not blessed with children. Not all of Achinu B'nai Yisrael were blessed with the opportunity to continue to live on in this world through the arrangements of Yerusha that we learned about in this week's Parsha. And therefore, we must add a few more things to our discussion. They are true for everyone, but they're especially true for those without children. A person who didn't marry children can also continue to live forever in Oilem Hazet. Ve'al yomad hasorim hein ani eitz yavish. The childless one shouldn't say, I'm a dry tree. He shouldn't think that there's no hope. Yeshaya. And that is because every person leaves over a Yerusha in this world. Maybe not a house or a car or children, but there's something very real that he leaves over. To a certain extent, it's even more real than property and valuables. Now, in order to better understand this subject, we'll begin by studying the words of one of our great teachers. The Gemara in Brachas tells us that whenever Rabbi Yechanan would finish the Sefer Iov, he would say as follows, Sof Adam Lamus. The end of a man is that he must die. V'sof Behema Meshchita. And the end of a cow is the slaughterhouse. V'hakol Lemisa Heim Omdim. Nobody will escape it. Everybody is eventually going to die. Rabbi Yochanan is comparing the end of man to the end of a behema. A behema, when it was alive, 
It did a lot of good things. It gave milk. Milk is wonderful. It worked too. It pulled the wagon. It fertilized the fields. Maybe it gave rides to children too. A cow is very useful when it's alive. It's a big gift. Mina shamayim. And so when we slaughter that cow, we think it's finished. That's the end of the cow in this world. But Rabbi Yochanan is telling us that it's not over. The cow continues to exist in the world for a very long time. First of all, because of the cow, we have meat for the children. That's already something. We appreciate the cow for that. And there's more. The cow lived for maybe 20 years. Much longer than that, it can't live. But from the cow's hide, you make shoes. And sometimes those shoes last a long time. A good pair of shoes could be worn sometimes for 30 years. It means that the cow is still living on your feet for even more years than it lived on the farm. You can make from the cow's hide many leather belts. A lot of people in this world are able to keep their pants from falling down because of this dead cow. A good belt can last a long time. Better things too. You can make ritzuas for tzfilin and batim for tzfilin. From the skin you can make a safer toira that will last sometimes a hundred years. So the behemoth, when it dies, sometimes it's more useful than when it was alive. That's what it means. Sof behemoth l'chita. The end purpose of the behemoth is when it's shechted. Sometimes that's when its career begins. It's doing more after its death than it would have been if it had remained alive. And now along comes Rabbi Yochanan. And he says that man too is like that. Sof Adam Lamus. The end of man is that he must die. But just like the cow, that's not really the end. A person can also continue to live on in this world acquiring merits. And therefore, because we want to live forever, Happy is the man who grew up with Toida. And he labored in Toida. It means he grew up in a good environment and he added his own labors as well. And he did pleasure to his creator. He developed for himself a good name. And he left this world with a good name. And about such a person, Rabbi Yochanan says, the Pasuk tells us, A good name is even better than perfumed oil. In the olden days when people went to a chazana or some other important place, they would rub perfumed oil on their hair. They made their hair smell good. It was such a fragrance that sometimes it would percolate throughout the entire room. Let's imagine that. Let's say somebody sitting here has a perfumed oil in his hair. It smells good and we're all enjoying the fragrance. So he's sitting here for a little bit listening to the lecture and then he walks out of the room. But he's still here. He left the room but something remains behind. There's a sweet fragrance, a rayach tov in the room. Now the Pasuk says that there's something even better than that. A good name is even better than good oil. When a person is alive and he acquires a good name, it means good character and yirashamayim. So it makes an impression. It lasts. As he passes through the world, he leaves the fragrance of his good name wherever he goes. And even after he leaves this world, the fragrance lingers on in the atmosphere. The sweet fragrance of his personality remains. I was here. It's calling out. A long time ago, there was a Sephardi man in this neighborhood, Reb Shama. 
He's an example of a man who left over a shame tov, a good name. He made a very good impression. He was a tzaddik, and people admired him. For years and years after he died, they kept on talking about him here. His deeds, his behavior, his mitzvahs, and his maizim toivim are still influencing the world. Many times in my life, I benefited from the reyach tov of good people. I remember a from Jew. Years ago, I knew him very well. I used to watch him. I loved him and admired him. He didn't know, but he was my model. And he had a very big influence on me. I knew him as a bacher, but he's still in my memory. I can't forget him. Another from Jew I knew as an adult already. He was an elderly man. This man knew all the poiskim, all the shameless. He was a man who never spoke Lashon Hara. He never was angry at anybody. Kol Yomai, all my days I watched him. He was a Tumim in character, a Kiddush Hashem. And I learned very many things from watching him. And I'm sure he influenced many people besides me. He's not in this world anymore. But the Reach Tov that he left in this world is still here. Now I want you to understand that the good fragrance that a person can leave in this world is not merely Ruchnius. It's a physical thing. Those of you who are even a little familiar with science know that a good smell is not just a smell. It's very real. When someone wearing perfume leaves the room and you still smell the fragrance, it means that there are molecules in the air that you're breathing in. You don't see it, but it's real. There are millions of microscopic molecules floating in the air. And when you breathe in, they bind to the olfactory receptors in your nose. And those receptors relay the odor messages to your brain. Smell is real. If you had the right equipment, you could see it with your eyes. Now the fragrance of a shame tov that a person leaves over in this world is the same. It's also physical. Of course, this physical phenomenon carries with it certain ideals. Chesed, ben adam lechavero, bitochon, limud toida, tefila, kabbalas yisurim ba'ava, other things too. And the fragrance of those ideals you leave in this world continue to waft through Oilam Hazek, carrying the message. It doesn't go lost. Your maisim do not leave the world. They continue to live on. And that's the Yerusha that matters most in the next world. I know one Sadik. He didn't have children. And he used to bring together boys every Cholamoyed and talk to them. He would learn with them and tell them stories. And then he would give them prizes for learning. It was a beautiful thing. But then one day this Sadik finally left the world and now it became quiet. It was a call de mama daka. Oh, what a pity. A Sadik left this world. He went lost, it seems. No, he didn't go lost. First of all, those boys are grown up now and they're living with the ideas that he put into their heads. They'll teach those ideas to their children and grandchildren forever. But besides for that, the mere fact that he spoke to them means that his words are echoing and re-echoing in the atmosphere. That's important to know. They're not going lost. The air is more pure because of what he said. When you walk in the streets where he walked, you're breathing that air. You should know you're becoming niskadesh because you're in the place where this man purified everything in his presence. I once heard Lubavitcher Rebbe say that. He said, when you go someplace and you learn Mishnayas in the street, you're changing the street. 
Now it's not a big chiddush, it's an important chiddush though. I'm just quoting a name of a tzaddik who said it. But you could say it yourself. Here's a man who's saying Mishnayas. Not in all places is it mutter to speak in Divrei Torah. But suppose there's a street where everyone is dressed properly and nobody is walking except for you. It's a good kosher street. And you're saying Mishnayas. It's not the same street anymore. The street is a different street. You're physically changing the world. There's no question about that. Today the world is doing the opposite. Vatitma ha'aretz. And the land becomes unclean from wrong deeds. The Rishayim are making the world smell bad. It actually smells bad. When you walk by a movie theater, you have to hold your nose closed. It doesn't help anymore to walk on the other side of the street because the stench is terrible. You have to actually hold your nose closed. And therefore, in order to counteract that, as much as possible, we have to create the good fragrance of Masim Toivim, of Torah and Mitzvahs, and good character. From good deeds, the land becomes more Tahor and more Kadosh, not only Eretz Yisrael. Wherever you go, you're purifying the atmosphere. You're improving the soil. Everything becomes better as a result of what you're doing and what you're saying. It's a big responsibility, of course, but it's important for us to realize that it's true. You are affecting the world by your maizim. When you walk in the street and you're thinking about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim or Matan Torah or Shor Shinagach Es Maybe you're making a cheshben and nefesh. You're thinking how much you have to respect your mother and father. How much you have to honor your wife and make her happy. You're thinking like a Jew has to think. You have to know that you're making that street clean. You're making it pure, no matter what street it is. Of course, the streets today are so full of tuma that they can stand a great deal of purification. You have to do a lot of thinking as you walk. But that's what you're accomplishing. That's what it says in Ovis. Ha'oise mitzvah achat. Koinelo praklit echad. If you do one mitzvah, you create one spokesman for yourself. Someone who speaks up for you. Now you might think it means that a malach is created by your deeds. And when the time comes for the Beis Din Shel Malach to consider what you accomplished in this world. So that malach, that mitzvah that you did will stand up and speak for you. That's true. I'm sure it's true. But it's much more than that. What it means is that you're creating something that still exists in this world. Not only he speaks up on the Yom Din, he's speaking in this world. You don't hear him, but he's speaking. Let's say you said some words of kindness to a fellow Jew. You were ma'oideid anavim. You encouraged somebody and you made him feel good. These words, you should know, are not finished after they enter the mind of the listener. They live on forever and ever. That's the praklit that he means. It's the spokesman who will never stop talking. Your good deeds, your good words, even your good thoughts are still in this world and they're affecting the world. It's a hashpah. Oh yes. Every good deed, every mitzvah, it's a praklit. If you learn a mesechta, if you chazer it and acquire it, that's your bechor, a beautiful boy. Bavakama is a beautiful little boy to have. Believe me. Or even Mesech the Megillah. It's a very little boy, but an equally beautiful boy nonetheless. The more Mesech you learn, the more children you have. Besides the reward for Torah. The mere fact that the words continue forever in this world is the Yerusha that matters the most. 
girls can learn Torah too. Mizilis Yishadim is a very beautiful child. Chayvus Olavavus and Shadei Truva are beautiful children that will last forever. Maisim Toivim are very beautiful children. There are so many things to do. People need help constantly. Women can do tremendous things if you help other people. Maisim Toivim are your children. In a certain sense, it's something like your child. I'm not saying it's a child, but it's something like it. It doesn't go lost. When people live lives of righteousness, it doesn't go lost. It's preserved forever in the airspace here. And that's the real Yerusha a person leaves over in this world. The truth is that just like a person who leaves over a Yerusha of money for his descendants continues to live on through that money, a person without children can do the same. When you give some of your money to the yeshivas, to poor Talmidei Chachamim, often that's more valuable than what you leave over to your children. It depends what your children are using the money for. If your children will go now on a trip to the Caribbean because you left them a Yerusha, so there are much better places to put your money. The fragrance of a Caribbean cruise you need like a hole in the head. When you give money to yeshiva and the boys are sitting and learning Gemara, it's your money that's learning Gemara. If the Bacharim are learning late at night in the base of Medrash, so you're sitting next to those boys, your money is studying Masech Bavakama now. It's not just that you gave money, you did a mitzvah of tzedakah, and that's all? Now you're finished? No, you're not finished. You just started. You just started accomplishing great things. A man once told me that his wife died. So I said, buy some Sephardim and put them in the yeshivas in her name. So when they'll learn in the yeshiva from that sefer, it's like his wife is helping them learn Torah. Yes, absolutely. It's like she's sitting in the base medrash learning Torah even years after she passed away. She's living in both worlds at the same time. That's what David HaMelech asked for. Aguro Baalcha Olomim. I want to dwell in your tent forever. In both worlds. Tehillim. Your tent means the Ohel Hashem, where David used to come with his chaverim to sing Shvachim to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and learn Torah together. David said, I want to live in that tent forever. So, Frag the Gemara Kasha and Yevamas, is it possible for a man to live in both worlds at the same time? What is this that he's asking that he should remain in the tent of this world forever? He doesn't want Oilam Haba. David certainly wanted Oilam Haba. And if he's there, how can he be here? Yes, you could be in both places at once. When a person leaves a good name, a reach tov in this world, so he might be in the next world enjoying his eternal reward, but he is still in this world physically in the form of his good deeds by means of the reach tov that he left over in this world. And that's the most important lesson of Yerusha. Hilchas Yerusha is not only a procedure of Dinei Mamanus, so that we should be different from the Indians. It's not merely a good arrangement, so that it shouldn't be a Hefkevelt. And it's not even that we want to be Goimle Chasadim with the grieving children. The Dinim of inheritance are a Gemulus Chasadim with the Neshama to fulfill its desire that it should not lose its contact with this world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us, I want to teach you a lesson about Oilam Hazeh. I want you to know how much the Neshama craves the opportunity in this world. So much so that even after the Neshama has to leave, it still wants to remain attached to Oilam Hazeh. 
And that lesson is intended for all of us. Children or no children. Yerusha or no Yerusha. Every neshama wants to continue living in this world forever. Because this is the one chance to succeed. And therefore, as long as you're putting in efforts to improve the world, to leave something over, so in a certain sense, that fragrance you're creating is just as valuable as leaving over children and money. The praklitim will speak on a person's behalf forever in both worlds. And the more spokesmen he has for himself, the louder the noise is. It's making a tremendous noise all the time, long after he is already gone. And the person looks down at his children, at his property, and most important, at the reyach tov that he left in the world. And he's happy that he continues to live forever in both worlds, accruing the merits of the shame tov that he left in Olam Hazeh. And that's what the neshama cares about most, because the Yerusha of the shame tov that is left in this world is the Yerusha that the neshama enjoys in the next world forever and ever. Have a wonderful Shabbos.